It's a blowout. Eighth inning, 10 3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out a real pitch. He swings, and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What's up, everybody? We are live for another episode of Flippin' Bats. We have a lot to talk about. A lot has happened over the course of the last few days. Cedric Mullins joined me yesterday on Flippin' Bats, but now we have to update everything that happened throughout the week. There was a no-hitter, first no-hitter. There was a cycle. I'm wearing Christian Yelich's shirt. He hit for a cycle the other day. Justin threw great. We're going to get to some of the midweek storylines. Buy or sells coming in a little while. Right over there behind me. I'm going to announce my team of the week. I love this show. Questions at the end. This is a fun, interactive question. So if you're watching, get in some questions. We'll answer those later. Producer Conrad's out here to join me. Producer Conrad, let's have a good one today, my friend. Absolutely, man. There's been so much madness around MLB this week, and I'm so happy you hit, you hit on it. We haven't talked about this at all yet, so I'm going to shoot off the hip. How impressive was Christian Yelich's cycle the other day? That was sick, by the way. He's now had three. And all three of his cycles have been against the Cincinnati Reds. That is remarkable. The triple there, he talked about a postgame. The triple there is the hardest one to get. Well, the triple is always the hardest one to get. I have been a triple away from the cycle three times in my life. One time, and this is excluding Little League because you can do whatever you want in Little League. One time was professionally. I had the home run in the first at bat. I went double, single. I was a triple away from the cycle in my final at bat. I doubled into the gap. The the third bait or the the shortstop that was out as the cutoff man had the ball. Like as at the time I was touching second base. I still decided to try and run and try and go get it. I was thrown out by legitimately half the baseline, but we were up by like eight runs. So I was um, I was a good. 30 feet away from having a, a cycle of myself. But they aren't easy. And, and Yelich talked about it. The triple's the hardest one. It's always fun to see. It's a fun thing in baseball. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I've always thought about cycles, too, is that, like, once you get the home run, the double, you have a single. Like, how hard – I mean, like, obviously, you're just trying to get up there and putting good contact on the ball. But, like, how hard is, like, the pressure of being like, oh, man, I could do something that, like, literally no one else might do this entire season? Well, the, the hard part is, and I think we actually touched on this a little bit with Cedric Mullins in yesterday's episode, and if you haven't listened, go listen to that. But we were talking to him about the 30-30 season he had, and he said once he got to 30 stolen bases and was sitting on 29 home runs, it was so hard for him to hit that final home run because it's all you're thinking about. You try and do something differently, and then you just change all of your mechanics. So once you get to that last thing, no matter what it is, the single's the easiest. When you have a triple left, it's like, okay, I, I'm just going to hit it and, and hope for the best. And he said he hit it over the first baseman's head down in the corner. He knew the second it got over his head, he was going to be able to do it, and that was the only spot in the ballpark that he'd be able to do it. So there is some luck that goes into it, obviously mostly skill because you have to find four pretty much barrels throughout the day, which is very difficult to do. I love me a good cycle. It's fun. Absolutely is. Now let's move on to something that doesn't involve any luck, and it's just pure will and determination. Your brother's performance yesterday, or two days ago, almost throwing the no-hitter, taking it through eight innings. What do you have to think about that? Wow. Um, Justin's outing the other night was special, and I feel like almost after every outing, I'm on this show talking about how special it is. He takes a no-hitter, into the eighth inning, which I was watching at Angel Stadium. I was watching, like, on my phone, freaking out. It's remarkable. It's remarkable what he did that start. The result was eight innings, one hit, a few strikeouts, no runs. Coming off his first start since Tommy John that he threw over 100 pitches. We were talking post-game after he threw those 100 pitches, and he said, you know what, this is going to be um, – this is going to be a, a huge test for me. How am I going to bounce back from throwing 100 pitches? I, I would say he bounced back pretty well. It was remarkable to see. And we, we need to talk about something. And, and it needs to be talked about much more than it has been to this point. And I, I will be the one to do it. And I know it is being talked about. Wow, it's remarkable what Justin Verlander is doing since he's been back from Tommy John at 39 years old. 
Yes, I understand that. We really need to dive in to how impressive this really is. So far this year, he's 4-1 with a 1.55 ERA and a .639 whip. Okay? Since he has joined the Houston Astros, he is 47-16. and 16. He has a 2.38 ERA, a .82 whip, and a 181 opponent batting average. Every single one of those leads all American League pitchers with 20 or more starts. It is remarkable. It is special. It is all-time. It is something that we will remember forever that Justin Verlander was able to come back after Tommy John and at 39 years old put together a year that he is having now and just continue his stretch of dominance. And he did that again the other night. It is absolutely incredible. He's gone at least five innings in all six of his starts this year. If he does, and, and I, I, if, if he does make the All-Star game this year, which it's very early, there is no, you know, there's no certainty that that happens. If he makes the All-Star game, he would be the first starting pitcher age 39 or older to make it since Bartolo Colon in 2016, who did it at 43 years old. He's right now tied for first in Major League Baseball in wins, first in whip, first in hits allowed, third in ERA. It's remarkable. And I was sitting in those stands at Angel Stadium the other night, just, one, really nervous, hopeful that it would happen, and two, just, like, what is happening? What, what is this with, with Justin? This is so cool. So, yes, I was nervous, and then I was able to step back and just think, this is remarkable what is going on. His dominance since he's come back and since he's been with the Houston Astros has been nothing short of special, and I think it should be talked about a lot more than it has been, and, and I'll be the one to do it, and it's not just because I share blood with him. No, not at all. If anything, I feel like I'm the one that kind of prized you to talk more about it. I'm like, hey, we should probably talk about Justin Day. He, he's, he's being tremendous. And you're like, ah, well, you know, we'll find a time and place. And I'm like, <laughs> and then after each start, it's like seven innings, eight innings, no hitter ball through eight, no hitting ball through five. Like, he has just been phenomenal. His only loss on the year, I mean, obviously four and one, we were at that game in Anaheim. Yeah. And it was a two nothing game where he ended up striking out Shohei Otani three times. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're right, and, and that is something that I should probably get over, but you're right, it, it does take you coming to me and saying, hey, we're, we're gonna, we should talk about Justin. But it, it's to the point now where like, I, I needed to step up and, and say how impressive it is what he is doing. I, you're right, I, I don't love immediate, I try not to talk about him all the time because, one, he's my brother, I'm very proud of him, but, you know, I, I don't. People can say whatever they want, but everybody loves saying, oh, that's all you talk about. Well, that can't be true on this show because it's absolutely not the case. And, and, and it's, but today, it needed to be talked about. Eight, almost eight no-hit innings gives up one hit. A remarkable start. Again, all of them, all of them have been great since coming back from Tommy John. And, and his command has been special. Look at this tweet from Alex Avila. Having caught Justin Verlander as many years as I did, am I surprised? No. But I'm still impressed and amazed at what he can do. I am impressed and amazed because I've watched him my whole life, and I haven't ever seen his command as good as it is now. And I've heard from so many people coming back from Tommy John, your command is the first thing that, or the last thing that comes back. His command has been incredible. I saw... I saw somebody the other day say Justin Verlander went and got a new tendon and they gave him Greg Maddox's tendon for, to pitch with. So it's, it's, been, it's been awesome, man. It really has. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a wild ride of a season. And I know that I always bring it back to the Mariners, but having him watch pitched against the Angels live and then pitching twice against Seattle, like both times after the first inning, you just kind of look at it. And after he, he performed in the first, you go, it's going to be one of those days. Yeah. But it just seemingly seems like that's how every single start has been for him, which has been extremely impressive. And obviously, you know, I mean, I, I know sometimes like you're like, hey, I'm super nervous about it. I don't think people really realize how nervous you do get when you watch your brother on the mound. I remember before Angels game, it was like his first game of the year. 
it was like two hours before the game and i'm like hey man you want to go walk around and do some stuff and you're like absolutely not i'm sick to my stomach i'm gonna go hang out by myself yeah i'm not, I'm not a lot of fun to be around when justin is is pitching and it's been the way i have we've both been this way when he would come to watch me play he would tell me after i've, I've never been that ner- i get more nervous watching you play than i ever get for myself and that's the way i feel like at least when i'm playing i control my outcome if i strike out at the plate that's my fault i want justin to do so well and i can't help him there's nothing that i can do about it but you know this is what i can do this is what i can do about it and and this needs to be talked about i cannot talk about things when they're happening (laughs) like a no hitter the other night i have a point to make here People need to stop talking about no-hitters and perfect games when they're happening. People, I'm specifically talking about members of of the media or or whatever it may be, I've had enough of it. I really have. And, And I understand people have a job to do. There's a way to do your job by not saying it, by not mentioning no hitter. Baseball is such a superstitious sport. You have a job to do. You can easily say, and, and this comes on Twitter, and everybody knows what this means. Something special happening in Minnesota through seven innings. Turn on the TV. Guess what? Everybody knows what you're talking about. At this point, when people are literally mentioning the words no hitter in their tweet, it's just for, you're just looking for, for a response from people because you know people are going to be pissed off. And I might be more fired up because it happened to my brother the other night, but I hate seeing it in general. Baseball players are the most superstitious people on the planet. I've played the game. We've all seen it enough. I've been in dugouts when people can mention it, and then next thing you know, it's gone. So you know what the answer is? Just don't ever mention it. And people won't do it. People on the baseball field won't do it. So why are the people that are seemingly hoping it will happen and talking about it mentioning it like that? Just say, and this will solve it all. Something special going on. Don't miss it. Tune in. And boom, you've done the job. I'm just tired of seeing it. Whether it matters or not, whether you think it is a factor or not, there are plenty of people that it matters to, so that should be reason enough to care, in my opinion. So are you fires me up. Are you trying to tell me there's unwritten rules of Twitter baseball? Yes! I'm more concerned about the unwritten rules of Twitter baseball than I am on the field. Break all the unwritten rules on the field. Flip your bat, swing 3-0, I don't care. But there are unwritten rules. I will write it, I don't care. We gotta, we gotta stop, and people know it. People know it's a thing. Baseball players on the field are passionate about this. There are plenty that won't do it. So why are these people that haven't played at a high level the ones doing it because they think it doesn't matter hey what i say doesn't have an effect on the game what does it really matter well it matters to a lot of people so maybe that would be enough well i think justin had something to say about it too i I know we have the video and the sound let's let's listen (laughs) to what justin had to say about it you were just five outs away from a a no hitter just uh was that how much was that in your mind when you went out there in the eighth inning i wasn't worried about it i saw you texted i tweeted a bunch about it so i knew it wouldn't happen (laughs) (laughs) come on now (laughs) oh that's great you know i mean yes i i get the people that say like what how does it me tweeting these words affects the outcome on the field that's the beauty of everything right like I'm a fan, what I say, like, maybe it has some sort of weird karma effect. Who knows? But whether that matters or not, I just don't love when people say it. And again, I don't want to come off too harsh on the people that are doing it. They do have a job to do. I totally understand it. I just think they know at this point that it will piss off a lot of people. So maybe just word it differently. And we've started to see a lot of people word it differently, and people love them for it. Bob Nightingale the other night, who was a a guy that did it all the time, tweeted during Justin's outing and and Detmer's outing and said, Reed Detmer's is now taking his shot at history. He's cruising through seven innings. Perfect. I love that. That's great. That's all I'm asking for. And I (laughs) – this is great timing. I even said – 
Perfectly done, Bob, with some goat emojis. I mean, is that too much to ask for? No, it's easy. And he did his job. No, absolutely. To me, it's just, it's so funny because I thought this was a shtick at first. Like, I really did. Like, I thought that this was like some like funny baseball shtick where it's like, no, you don't, you don't talk about no hitters on Twitter. And the other night when this did happen, I was out at dinner and our other producer Bartlett texts me and he goes, hey, if so-and-so gets a something, something, <laughs> are, are we, are we ready to do something live after the game? And like, I'm sitting here looking at my phone going, what is going on right now? If a something, something does a whatever. I was like, I, I scrolled through my phone instantly and saw that Justin was on, doing a no-hitter, and I started laughing hysterically to myself. Like, this is how far down the rabbit hole we've gone. Yeah, that's absolute. Thank you, Producer Bartlett. Yes, and and it's not just Twitter. It's, it's in person. Like, you don't talk about it. I was sitting in the stands watching something-something something happen at Angel Stadium, but I wasn't talking about either one of those, which we'll get to that in a minute. But you just... You just don't talk about it, and it's it. I I mean, it's kind of like a shtick, but it's also like people really care about it. And who are people? It's like the people. You know what? This is the best example of, of all. Who are? Well, I don't want to ruin anything for kids out there, but there are some people that don't believe in Santa. Who are those people to tell other people that they're wrong? You know, so people believe. Let them believe. What's the like? I'm not gonna ruin it for anybody. I mean, I, I, I totally get that. Yeah, yeah, it's a little apples to oranges there. But, yeah, no. for sure. I mean, no, definitely. Um, <laughs> I, 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 to, I totally understand it. Yeah, you definitely don't want to let little kids know that uh, there might be a something-something with the whole holiday thing. Correct. Uh, well but, but moving on, though, after, after we got through the whole unwritten rules of Twitter baseball, let's move on over to the game that you were at for the no-hitter yeah. at Angel Stadium. This was, this was the coolest part of um, – I was there with – some work colleagues as well and there was a cool picture taken of me watching the video of my brother's no hitter in action while I was watching what would eventually be a no hitter in Anaheim. Reed Detmers of the Angels throws a no hitter on the night that Shohei Otani received all of his MVP awards. So I show up early that's why I decided to go down there, show up, get there for Shohei's acceptance of these awards. Now, when I say these awards, there was a table full of about 20 different awards he had won. It was wild, all from one season. He got his MVP award, his Silver Slugger was there, his uh, first t all, all MLB team, his second team MLB, his SB award. I mean, it was all there. It was remarkable to be there for that, and I was one of the few to be able to be down on the field watching him accept that and wave to the crowd and have people chant his name and chant MVP. That was awesome, all while Justin's no-hitter was going on. So I'm, like, taking a picture of Shohei and then going back to my phone and taking a picture, and then... Um, that ends up happening. The game immediately starts, and, and I took it all in from the stands, and it was, um, it was a special night. And let me start by saying hats off to the Angels fans, to the crowd. I mean, starting in the fifth inning, that place was rocking with every single passing out. Reed Detmers was fantastic. He was brilliant on the mound. He could do no wrong that night. It was really, really special to see. And then we get to the eighth inning and eventually the ninth inning, and it was special. It is the only no-hitter that I have ever seen in person. Aside, I, I threw one in, in high school, but we'll take that one out of it. Besides the no-hitter that I threw myself in high school, it is the only no-hitter that I have ever seen in person. And it didn't disappoint. It was awesome. It was really cool to see. I was losing my mind. I was going nuts. The crowd was going nuts. Reed Detmers became the youngest angel starting pitcher in history to throw a no-hitter. Youngest pitcher to throw a no-hitter for any team since Anibal Sanchez in 2006. 12th no-hitter in Angels franchise history, first solo no-hitter this season. Reed Detmers tweeted after the game, what an amazing night and a dream come true. 
Thank you to all Angels fans, my teammates, and coaches. It was a night I will never forget. You know what's cool about that? It was a night that I will never forget and a night that every single fan in attendance there will never forget. It was awesome. It was special. It was really cool being there. Yeah, I mean, that was obviously the biggest highlight of the game was the no-hitter. But that game was absolutely bonkers. <laughs> there were so many highlights from yeah, that game. Yeah, I mean, let, let's let's dive into some of the other ones. Mike Trout had a couple home runs. Yeah, so you're, one, I feel like every game I go to, every Angels game I go to, Mike Trout is hitting a home run. And he hit two that night. Mike Trout hits two home runs in that game, the same game that a no-hitter happened. Shohei gets multiple hits, hitting rifle doubles off the wall. That happened. Brett Phillips, friend of the podcast. Big friend of the pod. Absolutely an electric factory on the baseball field. Just hyping up the entire crowd, by the way. He comes in, plays deep. He comes in to play right field later in the game. The crowd loves him. Like, a, a beach ball fell out onto the field, and the, the bat boy or the ball boy was going over to run over and pick it up, to, and, and they don't throw it back in the stands. He raced over and, and got it first and threw it back into the stands. He was throwing bait. He, he caught the last out of an inning. He threw the ball up into the stands for him. It was, that was awesome. But then he came into pitch. The Angels had a massive lead. I mean a massive lead. Who better to come in? Then two-way sensation, Brett Phillips. I mean, I, I will remember it forever. Two unicorns, same field, two two-way superstars, Brett Phillips and Shohei Otani. This was this is incredible. The Rays tweeted this. It really is a special thing to witness someone play the game two ways and to do it in such an exciting way. I hope Angels fans appreciate what they are seeing. <laughs> What a great tweet. And they followed that up by saying, this is a tweet about Brett Phillips pitching. So let's dive into that episode or to, to that outing a little bit. And I was going to bring on Brett Phillips to talk about this, but he's being Brett Phillips and taking a bunch of kids with his wife to Bush Gardens in Florida today. So he wasn't able to come on. But what a legend. He comes in to pitch first. <laughs> He gets to face Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon. He gives up a first pitch absolute bomb to Mike Trout. I mean, but he's doing, he's doing the whole thing he always does. The, the funny leg kick. He threw it in there at like 50 miles an hour, trying to, you know, trying to get it down in the zone, get a rollover. Didn't happen. Trout hits an absolute bomb. Shohei comes up, next batter, hits a rifle. Off the right center, off the right field wall, literally like a foot away from hitting a home run. And then comes Anthony Rendon, which is another point that happened. This game was wild. I mean, madness. Anthony Rendon comes up. Everybody knows Anthony Rendon, right handed hitter, great hitter for the Nationals and now for the Angels. Has been a great hitter his whole career. Guess what he's never done? He has never once hit left-handed in his career. Guess what he did the other night? He hit left-handed. And the first pitch he saw left-handed, he hit a home run. I mean, I was losing my mind in the stands. Do you realize how difficult it is to do this? I, I tried to take BP like once a year left-handed, and I was basically incompetent. It was so difficult. Then he does it in a game and hits a home run. Unbelievable. I mean, I know like baseball purists will probably not like what I have to say, but Brett Phillips to me is worth the price of admission when he's able to come into games like this. Like it's like taking a player from the Harlem Globetrotters and putting him in the NBA and you're like, I have no clue what I'm going to get tonight from this guy, but there's going to be at least one special moment, whether it's him making a diving grab, pitching in a game, like, just doing all these unorthodox things, but, like, he is such a bright light that I think more people need to realize it. He's such, like, a good sport when it comes to all of it, you know? Like, after he gets a two-run shot hit off him, Trout hits a home run, he's tipping the cat to the, like, to the crowd. Like, he is just electric. People need to realize that, like, position players pitching in baseball, 
is actually one of the coolest things. Yeah, it's really fun, and he does a really good job. It, it, it becomes entertainment. And at that point, when you are bringing <laughs> this, the tweet just popped up from Brett after the game. He tweeted, you got lucky at Mike Trout. <laughs> Incredible. I mean, it becomes entertainment. And there, there is a point. And for those that don't seem to understand it, you bring a position player in to pitch because you don't want to burn all of your arms in the bullpen. The game is already out of hand. You're most likely not going to come back. You don't have a good chance. So you don't want to use some of your good arms in the back of the bullpen. You want to bring in somebody, a position player, that's able to try and get you some outs and save, save some arms in the back end of that bullpen. Brett Phillips does that, and he does a, he does a great job of entertaining the fans while he's doing it. So why not? Why not let him do it? You know, obviously, he doesn't want to go out there and give up a bunch of home runs, but he went out there, he got three outs, he saved a bullpen guy from having to come in and pitch, he entertained the crowd while doing it, they loved him, and he tipped his cap coming off the field. It was awesome. Look at this tweet from Sam Blum, tweeted yesterday, Shohei Otani doubled off of Brett Phillips. Today, Brett Phillips singled off of Shohei Otani. The two best two-way players on the planet going head-to-head. I love this sport. <laughs> I will never forget when we had Brett Phillips on this show. We've had him on a few times. Good friend of the show. And we went back and forth for a while talking about how he was basically Shohei Otani. <laughs> it, was, it was remarkable. I mean, it's, it's the entertainment factor. And he brings that more than anyone. And he started it. He started and has his own brand. Baseball is fun, and Brett Phillips makes baseball fun. That's what he does. That's what he did the other night, and if he's, if he's hitting great, he's making it fun. If he's not hitting great, he's playing great defense. He's making it fun, and if he's doing none of that, he's on the bench making the game fun or pitching and making it fun. He's just a great guy for the game of baseball, and I got to experience it all the other night in Anaheim, every bit of it. Shohei's MVP award, a, a no-hitter, I've never seen one in person, a left-handed home run from a batter that's never hit left-handed before, the only home run in Major League Baseball history when a player has only taken one at bat from that side of the plate. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, that might have been the most entertaining game of the entire MLB season. I think that, that it'd, be, it'd be hard to argue it couldn't be. Yeah. But I, it was absolutely electric. Uh, and actually, you know what? Let, let's let's stick on the same topic a little bit. We we talked a little bit about Otani. We kind of have a thing on this show where we like to really highlight Otani and you know everything that he's doing. Yeah. But sure. let's talk about Otani's performance yesterday and his pitching. Yeah, you know, so Detmers throws that no hitter, and then the very next day, you have to face Shohei Otani. Shohei takes the mound and again was great. He was fantastic on the mound again. And it's just, it's becoming apparent that if Shohei wasn't a hitter, he would be pitching. He would be pitching every five days as opposed to a six-man rotation. He would be throwing more often, and he would certainly be up there as a leading candidate for the Cy Young Award, as I believe he is right now. He should be up there in the conversation for the Cy Young Award. He was fantastic the other night. He didn't go super long into the game, and they didn't end up giving him much run support, <laughs> any run support. But again, he was he dominated, he looked great, and he was pulled, I, I believe, producer Conrad, let me know if I'm wrong, but there was he was pulled, there was some fatigue involved in that outing, correct? Yeah, and that's kind of one big question I, I had for you, and this is something that I remember last year when you sat down with A-Rod and Big Poppy at the desk downstairs. And the number one thing that A-Rod and Poppy said was impressive about Shohei Otani was his ability to be able to do both of these at a high level. And how much, and like at the time, it was kind of like they were making a little bit of fun of it, but they're like, this guy can't have a life. Yeah. Like how hard it is to like the regimen you have to put your body through to be prepared every single day for this. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm often asked, like, what is it? about Shohei Otani. How did this start? How did you become his number one fan? How did you become best friends? That's a great question. Um, we are. We're, we're best of friends. But, you know, it is, it is remarkable. And the answer to that question of why, how did this love, how did this um, appreciation start? 
It's from my days in college where I was playing as a two-way player. It is and was at the time for me so difficult, so difficult to be a two-way guy. I would constantly find myself, if I was supposed to be taking BP, I was off somewhere throwing a, throwing a bullpen. If I was supposed to be doing some little pitching drills, I was on the field taking BP. I would always find myself picking and choosing what was more important. And the result of that was not being the best at either of them. I wasn't great at any one of them. Then I picked hitting and became great at it and was an All-American that next year because I stopped doing both. So now I see him doing it at the highest level, and, and all I can think about every time he goes out there is I don't understand how he does this, how he gets his body ready, how he prepares, how he gets ready to hit against a guy that's going to be throwing 100 miles an hour with 92-mile-an-hour sliders while he's also preparing to go out there and throw 100 miles an hour with a nasty splitter. I don't understand how he's able to do that. It's truly remarkable. But we saw the other day that he comes out after six innings and he noted that his fastball velocity was down. He didn't feel his best, but said he's not injured or worried about any arm issues. Joe Madden just said Otani looked fatigued but was still effective, especially with breaking pitches. Breaking pitches. Struck out his last two hitters. That's great. That's fine. Every once in a while, you're going to have to have a start. Okay. He's been throwing a lot of pitches. Maybe this start, we'll use it as a little bit of a deload. Let's plan on throwing five, six innings, and that's just what he did. He went out there, he threw six innings, he threw really well, and I walked away really impressed again with Shohei Otani and what he does. I mean, it leaves me speechless a lot of times, truly, because, because of what it takes off of the field. And I hope that's what people appreciate. Yes, see what's happening on the field. See what's happening at the plate and on the pitcher's mound. But know what is going on behind the scenes is absolutely remarkable and difficult to do. It truly is special. I tweeted this out after his outing. We don't talk about enough, not me, about how good of a pitcher Shohei Otani is. Six innings, one earned, two hits, five Ks the other night. We talk about him as a hitter all the time. We talk about him as a two-way player. That's kind of the thing. Shohei has so much power, and he does both. No, no, no. Shohei Otani is a Cy Young caliber pitcher, and he is a Silver Slugger caliber hitter. You're combining an all-star on each side of the ball, and he's doing both. But don't get it twisted. It's just not a guy that's he's a hitter, and he also goes out there and pitches every few days. He's fantastic at both. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of places do these things. I think it's uh, it's GQ that does it, where they ask, like, flame, famous athletes or famous, uh, like, actors, actresses, like, hey, you have essential top ten things that you cannot live without. You take everywhere with you no matter where you go. I'm not sure if you read this article on Otani, but I found it so good in so Otani fashion. The top ten things that are on his essential list, an iPad to watch his past performances and to get a game plan for his next team his perfect pillow so he doesn't ever strain his neck takes it everywhere with him his cell phone a game ready ice machine again these are essential things that otani feels like he has to take everywhere (laughs) a hard maple bat a glove cleats a heart rate monitor compression pants and weighted sleep mask so when people would answer things like cell phone food like that sort of stuff he's answering Hard maple bat, ice machine. I absolutely love that. You know, I would answer my Shohei Otani pil- pillow, which is also perfect. It's yes. a perfect pillow. My Shohei Otani bobbleheads. My Shohei Otani blanket. So I feel like it's kind of similar on the things we would we would bring along. No, a- absolutely. I guess the big the biggest point that I think we're really trying to drive home to people is is that none of this happens just by like random fact of like yeah. yeah well he just so happened to be really good at both. It's like he lives and breathes this game. And we talked about it last week where we believe he's the new face of major league baseball, whether people will believe or not that there is a language barrier that might not allow him to be in like in the U S I believe it's baloney. Like this guy is all about the love of baseball and it shows you read a list like this and you're like, Oh my God, 
this guy loves nothing more than just playing baseball. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is remarkable. And you look back to – it started with Shohei's childhood. He was always reading this fictional story of a kid that grew up and became a baseball player. He was a two-way star and then ended up going to – America and playing for a baseball team in Anaheim and taking the world by storm. He's literally living that out in real life. And he would stop at nothing to accomplish his dreams. He had his own dream board. Baseball is his life. And it shows. You see it. You see it every single day. And that's what it has to take to do what he does on both sides of the ball. It is his life, and, and it's remarkable to see. It absolutely is. And uh, I'm sure before our next show coming out on Monday, he's going to probably do two or three other things yeah. that are absolutely ridiculous that we'll have to talk about. But let's move on now to uh, your weekend series to watch that you're really excited to see this upcoming weekend. Yeah, you know, first, first one that comes to, to mind for me is the Yankees at the White Sox. It is a matchup of a, a really good team that's playing really well and a really good team that's not really hit their stride yet in the White Sox. The Yankees are 7-1 in their last eight games against the Chicago White Sox. They've been owning them. Now they're going to Chicago in an important series, in my opinion, for the White Sox. You have a Yankees team that is coming in rolling. The New York Yankees are coming off of a sweep against the Toronto Blue Jays. They've been fantastic. They had an 11-game win streak. They end up losing the final game to, to the Blue Jays and then winning some more games. Then they sweep the Blue Jays. They have an amazing come-from-behind walk-off win, courtesy of Aaron Judge, when they were down and out against one of the best closers in baseball, Jordan Romano, down two entering the last inning. They hit a walk-off three-run bomb. Then they win the next day. The Yankees are playing fantastic. And to me... People are getting more on board with this Yankees team and just how good they are. I've now had them at number one in my power rankings for over two weeks. And what I continuously heard was, really, the Yankees, they haven't played anybody. How do you not have the Dodgers higher? Well, guess what's happened since then? The Yankees sweep the Blue Jays. The Dodgers lose to the Pirates. I'm not saying the Dodgers aren't a great team. I'm saying the Yankees deserve to be at the number one spot. This is a different Yankees team that still has all the firepower in the world. They have superstars that are now healthy and having fun. That matters. They have dynamic guys. They have Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who adds a totally different dynamic to this team. This isn't the same team we've seen in the past. This team plays great defense. This team has an ability to pinch run late in the game and have the fastest guy on planet Earth, almost, Tim LaCastro on their team. They can do it in so many different ways. That's what makes the New York Yankees dangerous. That's why I've had them at number one in my power rankings for a couple weeks in a row now. And that's why I think this is a big series to watch because the White Sox are a good team. They need to figure it out and they have a really good team coming in to their home to take them on. Another, another big one for me, Blue Jays at the Rays. Blue Jays got to figure it out. This is my World Series prediction right here. I have the Blue Jays going far. They need to figure it out. They've lost a good bit of games in a row now. They, they had lost four in a row. Um, they need to figure it out. The offense is what is going to make this team elite, is what does make this team elite. But it's been struggling lately. You know, behind, behind George Springer, who's been great, there's been some guys that are struggling in that offense. Bo Bichette hasn't been as good as I think he can be. Vladdy hasn't been as good I mean Vladdy's great listen don't get me wrong but as good as he was last year not yet um they need to figure it out they need to get going and they're playing a good Rays team another one for me Padres at the Braves keep an eye on that one the Padres have their rotation lined up great I mean they have their studs going into Atlanta and pitching I love both of these rotations watch out for some good pitching matchups on the mound there because both of those both of, both of those rotations are really good. Braves are another team. they got to get it rolling. They have to really get it rolling. It's time to go. The Mets are good. You don't have the ability to this year wait around and end up, hey, now let's go, and you win the division and get in the playoffs and win the World Series. They don't have that ability. They're 
in danger of going down deep to the Mets. It's time to get going. Last one for me, Giants at the Cardinals. This was, this was on last week's show, but it was in reverse. Cardinals at the Giants, and it ended up being great games. Now it's in reverse. Giants are going to St. Louis. Both teams playing well. Both teams really good. I like that series a lot. Conrad, where are we going next? Little by yourself. Little by yourself. You know, it's funny you say that because I've been wanting like a little, maybe a little transition, like a little mm. somebody singing. I didn't want you. I, Let's I, just I do the it. segment. I get it, dude. I get it. Uh, first buy or sell that I have for you. Naylor's home run celebration the other night. Josh Naylor. This was, you know, we did top five home run celebrations on the show the other day. Was it last Thursday? Did we do it last Thursday or was that the Monday show? Monday. So we did it Monday, and then it was, I think it was Monday night. Josh Naylor hits those home runs. Um, eight plus, eight RBIs from the ninth inning on. Ends up, they, they end up having a crazy comeback. The Guardians, crazy comeback. He hits a grand slam and then another home run later in the game. But after the grand slam that tied the game against all odds, down and out, he goes nuts, screaming, comes in the dugout, takes off his helmet, throws it. You can't tell whether he's in the midst of an 0 for 50 stretch and pissed off or just hit a home run. It was remarkable. It would have for sure been on my list of top home run celebrations. I am buying that celebration. Absolutely loved it. How can you not? That's one of the moments that makes baseball so great. Passion, emotion, give it all to me. Next up on buy or sell, Anthony Rendon's left-handed home run. Oh, buy it. I, and, you know, the reason that I think this is on here, there, I, I've heard, like, why, why would he go up and hit left-handed? Like, why would he do that um, for, like, statistical or he's showing up the other guy? One, it's Brett Phillips on the mound. He's, he's throwing with his leg going up in the wrong direction. He doesn't care. Like, he's having fun. He wants entertainment. And this is entertainment. Him going up there and hitting left-handed. It is one of the most impressive things. And it's the only time it's happened in Major League Baseball history. A guy going up and for the first time in his career hitting in the other direction at the plate and hitting a home run. Absolutely remarkable buying. Love it. Next, we have Chris Woodward calling Yankee Stadium kind of like a kid's park after getting walked off. Yeah. He called it a Little League Stadium when Glaber Torres walked him off and hit it to right field. Look, I, I'm selling this. I, that's a joke. Everybody plays all nine innings in that stadium. Correct me if I'm wrong, but his team, the Texas Rangers, played the top half of that inning, the top of the ninth, in that exact same stadium with the exact same dimensions, and they didn't score. So if it was such a little league stadium, maybe your big leaguer should have hit a home run. But they didn't. And I'm, that's nothing against the Rangers team. That's baseball. It's Yankee Stadium. We know where you can get home runs down the lines. We know it gets deep out in the gaps. But what a, it's a ridiculous comment because you're playing the same game on the same field against the same team. Like, you had the same opportunities. I'm selling that. That was a ridiculous comment. And then he tried to come back the next day and say, oh, I was just joking. Yeah, spare me with that. I got you. Well, let's stick with, uh, let's stick with the kids' parks then. Aaron Judge will be the home run king at season's end. Ooh. Aaron Judge, home run king, season's end. I am going to sell. I'm going to sell. And it's because I've always heard go with your gut. That's what my gut told me there, so I'm going to sell it. Uh, I don't really have a ton of reason to go for it be other than Shohei is probably going to end up hitting 80 home runs this year. Um, just kidding, not 80. But – it's just, you know, it's really not a little league park. And Aaron Judge hits a lot of balls um, deep, like, into the gaps. And the gaps there are really big. It's not easy to hit home runs out there. Obviously, if you hit it down the line, you have a really good chance. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell that. For the first time ever, I'm going to buy that one. I think Aaron Judge is a man on a mission. He didn't get his money before the season started. He's going to make him pay his money big time. Okay. Next up. Three teams will make the postseason from the NL West. Oh. All right. So let's, let's dive into this. Dodgers, one. They are one of them. Giants, Padres. Those are the other two. They're both playing really well. Now, 
if I say yes to this, here's what that means. It means either the Braves or the Mets will not be making the playoffs. I think the Mets are a great baseball team. I have the Braves predicted to go to the World Series. Do you see my conundrum here? A little, little bit. Little a little bit of bit. a conundrum here. So, for the sake of sticking with my prediction, which I should have done at the beginning of last year when I picked the Braves over the Astros in the World Series, and then, you know, in October came around and I tried to get all cute with my bracket, I want, I'm going to start st- sticking with my prediction. So, I'm going to sell that all three of them make the playoffs. Two of them will, and I do think the Braves and Mets both get in. Got it. All right, last but not least, buy or sell. If you have a beard, does that mean you also have a mustache? <laughs> I love that. Now, this is, a, this is a, a little nod at Gabe Kapler, manager of the Giants the other day, does this interview in the dugout, and he decided to go on this tangent about this exact topic. If you have a beard, a full beard, do you also have a mustache? My answer would be yes. I am buying that if you have a beard, you have a mustache. Easy. That's my answer. Do you? What do you say? I mean, coming from two people that can't grow a beard or a mustache, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to take your word on it. Yeah. I mean, there most people, a lot of people disagreed, by the way. Most people said, no, a mustache is a mustache. This is it. But that's all I got. Just like, <laughs> that's all I got for this. Listen, this, this is going off the rails. I was about to say, funny <laughs> thing about the internet, people don't agree. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, moving on, though. Let's move on to this week's uh, pick oh, to click. Oh, pick to click. Yes. You know why I'm pumped? Because guess what I got right last week? My pick to click, Miguel Cabrera, would get his 600th double. He got that done. Miggy in the record books again. He got it done early in the week. So now, let me check my record. I am 2-2 two and two on the year. Two wins, two losses. This week's Let's Get To It. Guest on the show yesterday, Cedric Mullins. As you all know, or many of you know, if you come on this podcast, you get a lot of good luck over the course of, who, who knows? There's no limit on your luck. But the Flippin' Bats pod luck is real. Cedric Mullins is my pick to click this week, and my prediction is that he hits a home run and steals a base this week. We saw him last year go 30-30, the only Oriole in history to do it. I think this week he gets one of both. That is my pick to click for this week. But now, go to the board. We're going to the board. It is that time for Team of the Week, my friends, where every week I pick players that from the week that was, deserved to be on this board, deserved to be the best player in baseball and were the best player in baseball in any given week. But it just has to do with a certain time frame, just the last seven days. I remember last week I had Carlos Correa, and everybody said, well, Jeremy Pena's been better. You know what? Last week, Jeremy Pena had hit 150, and Carlos hit 450. That's what this is about, the team of the week. And we're going to start at catcher, and we are going to start with Tyler Stevenson, who I believe now this is his second time on the list. He bet 440 on the week with 11 RBIs. That's simple. Catchers are tough normally. You have Tyler Stevenson coming back from an injury and hitting 440 with 11 RBIs. He's going to be on this list for sure. Let's move on over to first base. We just talked about him, Josh Naylor. One, the home run he hit the other night was incredible, but he also hit 386 on the week with three home runs and 11 RBIs, also becoming the first player in Major League Baseball history with eight-plus RBIs after the ninth inning or later, seven, seven or eight RBIs in the ninth inning or later. He was incredible throughout the week. He is on my team of the week at first base. Second base, Gene Segura of the Philadelphia Phillies hit 579 on the week, with three home runs and 11, 11 hits on the week. That's an easy one. Second baseman team of the week, Gene Segura. Let's head on over to third base. The same guy, Manny Machado. He's 
been incredible. An MVP front runner to this point in the National League. 458 on the week, two homers, killing it. He's been absolutely killing it all year. Manny Machado, I was, I was talking about him earlier today off, off of the show. He has made up and then some the, the replacement of, of Fernando Tatis. He's been remarkable this year. Let's head on over to shortstop for my team of the week. And the guy we were just talking about, he's here now, Jeremy Pena, 333 on the week. One home run, absolutely three RBIs on the week as well. Just an absolute stud as a rookie, what he is able to do. He's up there at the top of the, of the league in war, by the way, as a rookie. It's remarkable what Jeremy Pena is doing on the defensive side and on the offensive side. He's getting big knocks. He's shortstop, team of the week. Congratulations, Jeremy Pena. Let's head on over to the outfield where we have three guys. Now, this is important. This is not positionally based. This isn't one left fielder, one center fielder, and one right fielder. This is three outfielders in general. First up, Cedric Mullins hit 400 on the week with two home runs, 10 hits, and a few stolen bases as well. A couple stolen bases. Also, and this is not why he's on this list, but he was on Wednesday's episode of Flipping Bats as my guest, and he was awesome. Cedric Mullins is awesome, and he's an awesome player. He's the first outfielder on my team of the week. Next up, Ronald Acuna Jr. He is back. He's hitting homers. He's falling down. He's hitting homers. He's doing the silencer. I almost just did the silencer. I'm going to spare you all from that, but two homers, 429 on the week. Ronald Acuna is so good for the game of baseball, and now he's back, and he's already making a huge impact for this Braves team. Next up and the final outfielder, Mike Trout, the GOAT, Mike Trout. He's still doing it. 421, three homers, eight RBIs on the week, and that is why he's an easy decision to be on my team of the week. Next up, let's head on over to the designated hitter, the DH on the team of the week. Of course, my man, Shohei Otani. 357, two home runs, nine RBIs on the week. Shohei is figuring it out at the plate. And he actually talked about it earlier in the week. He said, I feel like I'm close at the plate. I'm getting the leverage that I want on balls. I'm not rolling as many over to the second baseman. When Shohei Otani is hitting line drives in the left center gap, that's when you know he's locked in. He's doing that a good bit now. What a great week for him. On the mound, starting pitcher, also of the Los Angeles Angels, Reed Detmers. A no-hitter. I was there to see it in person. My first ever no-hitter that I've seen in person, besides the one that I threw myself in high school, Reed Detmers on the mound, pitcher of the week. And that leaves our closer, last spot on the team of the week, our closer, Sugar Diaz. Edwin Diaz of the New York Mets. The best walkout song for a closer in the league. You get the trumpets playing. You get two saves this week, three strikeouts, no earned runs. He's been fantastic at the back end of the bullpen for the Mets, and he was again this week. That rounds this out. A beautiful team of the week. A lot of red on here. A lot of, lot of angels, a lot of red. This is a dominant team. So congratulations to those guys for being on this week's team of the week. Now let's head back over this final show of the week. This is the last episode, Flipping Bats of the Week, the final one. And I love this one to be an, an interactive episode where you guys can tweet in, get your questions in, and I will answer them on the show. So producer Conrad, let's start with some of the fan questions that we have. All right, let's get it going. The first one we have, which team is one player away from being a legitimate contender? Aha, uh -huh, George Moore, my friend, George Moore. Which team is one player away from being a legitimate contender? So let me start by saying I think that if a team is one player away, they are already a legitimate contender. So I'm going to go, like, 
one player away from being like a legitimate like World Series threat that is a little off the radar. So obviously not a team. I'm not going to pick a team like the Astros or the Yankees because those are like the star-studded teams. I'm going to take the Angels here. I really believe in what this team is doing, but I do think they are one starting pitcher away from being legit. I'm not picking the Angels right now to, to win the World Series, to even win the division. They don't need to. You just need to get into the playoffs. That's what it's all about. I think the Astros can still win that division. I think the Angels can get into the playoffs, but I do believe that they are one player away from being legitimate contenders. Good question there. I think everyone would agree with that. Next up, good old Lamb Chop. What's the next big prospect that gets called up to the big leagues? I think this is an easy oh, one. Oh, good one. I'm going to go Adley Rutschman here. Ooh, I thought you were going to go Neil Cruz. Adley's raking. He had another bomb today. I mean, Adley is coming off of an injury. It appeared that he was there was a good chance that he made the big league roster to start the year. We, we don't really know. Nobody will know. And it appeared to me. That's what I wanted. But that didn't happen. He ends up going down with an injury. He comes back, and he's just been hitting really well. Um, so I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful both of those guys. I hope it's O'Neill Cruz. I hope he gets called up soon. But if I had to pick an answer to this question, I'm going to say it's the switch hitting top prospect in baseball, Adley Rutschman. Got it. Coming up next, how many players can hit opposite handed and hit a home run like Rendon hit the other night? Oh, ho, ho, ho. opposite handed. Let's see. So I can't pick a switch hitter here. Um, I feel like it's going to be a guy that is, this is tough because you never really know like how good somebody is hitting from the other. There's just guys that are, are, are really good at doing it. If I had to pick somebody that could do it, I'm going to take, um, I'm going to say Aaron Judge. I think Aaron Judge could hit left-handed at Yankee Stadium and hit a ball out. I'm also going to take, uh, I think Rafael Devers could do it. I just feel like he'd have a good right-handed swing. I don't know why. I just feel like he could be good enough. He has the power to pop up a ball to left and it get over the monster. So I'll take Judge and Devers. I think more people would be surprised how many guys can do it because nobody last week up until Randone did it would have thought, okay, this guy can do this left-handed. Yeah, but it's also like the only reason he went up there and did it is because he knows like, okay, I can, I can, I have a decent swing. Like, I feel like you talk to most guys and they're like, oh, I can't do anything left-handed. So it's, it's really like, it comes down to are are they sort of like ambidextrous and it's a tough prediction to tell. No, that makes sense. Let's go to another one. Next question. Oh, this one hurts the heart a little bit for you. Mm -hmm. How can the Tigers fix this and turn it around this season? It does hurt because the Tigers have been disappointing. Um, I, I didn't think that they were ready this year to be a playoff team moving forward, but I thought they would be better than last year in which they were a good team at the end of last year. I thought they would, I thought the beginning of the future would really show face this year and that Torque would come up, Green would come up, and they would start the year, and it'd be a fun team to watch. Um, and obviously, Green goes down with the injury. Torque did end up coming up, so that was right. But they just they just haven't been good. It's been frustrating. They should be better. Um, so it's it's been tough to see. It has been really tough to see the Tigers this year. And, and to turn it around, they're just going to start to have – they're going to start to – they got to hit. They have to hit. They are – have been really bad at the plate, and their young pitchers have been doing a good job, and they're bringing up they're bringing up guys, making their debut that have been good. The pitching isn't the problem for the Tigers. It's been that they just can't hit. So to answer your question, what can the Tigers do? Well, I think they should give me a call. I'll strap it back up. I'll put the cleats back on. I'll get in the lineup, and I'll roll over some balls to the left side of the infield for them and get thrown out just barely at first base and yell at the umpire because he didn't call me safe. I think, what, what more could you want? <laughs> uh, but thank you for getting in those questions. It's always fun part of the, a fun part of the Thursday show. This is it for the final episode of the week for Flippin' Bats. Thank you all so much for joining and listening. 
If you're listening, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe or follow, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen. We're also available on all social medias, Twitter and Instagram, and every episode you can watch the video of it on YouTube. That's all Flippin' Bats Pod. So thank you all for listening to the final Thursday episode of the week for Flippin' Bats Pod, and I will see you all on Monday. Have a great weekend. 